Welcome to the LabOp Leaders Series, a showcase of global change agents and experts in healthcare and laboratory management. Here's your host, LabOp Global Founder, Robert Farias. This week, we share an interview I had the pleasure of conducting with Godfrey Tudo Otieno from Kenya. A clinical trials expert, Godfrey shared his humble start tracking blood sample movement in the local hospital, shares his insights on professional development, and addresses the future impact automation will have on lab professionals. I hope you enjoy this episode. So Godfrey, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I'd like to get started a little bit by trying to understand your background. How did you, uh, how did you decide to get into the lab field? Yeah, thank you very much, Robert. So my, my journey started, uh, I think I think it's an accident because uh, immediately after finishing my post form, um, I remember um, I was looking for a job. I was very, very bored in the house. And we had, uh, had this friend called Lawrence Odor, whose father apparently was uh, the lab uh, lead, the provincial hospital known as currently known as Jeramokyo, Gingodinga, and Kisumu. Uh, so I went to him and I told him I need a job. So he sent me to a place called um, Homa Bay. Homa Bay is based in the, it's a coast, it's a, a, a lake region place. Um, and it's known more, mostly uh, the fishermen and their farmers at the same time. So I was taken there as an interviewer. So what used to happen is uh, I didn't have any knowledge and, and the lab. So my work was pretty much um, interviewing those people uh, who are going to give out blood. And then once blood has been given, I'll take the pint, take it to the lab, and then do the rapid diagnostics. And that time we were using determine. So um, I did it well with uh, less experience, just from college, from, I mean, from uh, secondary school. And that is where my journey began. So I said, okay, maybe this is something I need to do. So, um, so I did it well. I tracked all the pines that were administered in Homer Bay Hospital and who, who gave it. And of course, there were some challenges. I didn't know how to interpret, but uh, after doing them, I would call the people who, uh, you know, I was working under people. So I would tell them, okay, these are the results. Uh, and then they would um, interpret it accordingly. So I did it well. So and then uh, this project was under the CDC, um, and they were happy because we were able to uh, ensure that blood is screened well before it's administered. And uh, during that time, you know, the HIV in the Nanza region was so high, and there was a potential uh, risk of giving out blood that was not uh, screened. So this was just a way of trying to look at what is what is the prevalence of. Uh, uh, blood, um, I mean, HIV, blood being screened to participants or to patients in the world. So, yeah, that's my, where my journey began. And uh, I think from there, I joined uh, uh, the Kenya Polytechnic and took uh, a diploma in uh, medical lab. I went and uh, furthered my, you know, I did an HND, uh, that is higher national diploma. Uh, that was in... Uh, uh, in Mombasa, where I did immunology, and then came back to Kenya uh, Polytechnic, which is currently called uh, Kenya University, uh, Technical University. So I went further to do clinical chemistry. Thereafter, 
Candida uh, degree medical lab. Yeah, and then uh, that's how my journey began, and that's what actually inspired me to do the course. Yeah, so that's pretty. During this time, did you have to complete any practical placements or internships to complete your studies? Um, yeah, so um, so when I was in the uh, uh, Kenya Polytechnic, supposed to uh, do a one-year internship, so that took me to Cambridge, where I did my one year. And during this time, I went through uh, various departments. Uh, so there was a clinical uh, research lab where all the routines were done. So they were doing something on Leishmania. So I did that. I went to Virus Research Center. Uh, traditional medicine. Um, I went to um, microbiology, and then I went to um, uh, a department dealing with nutrition. So all this gave me experiences and actually solidified my skill level and my knowledge in uh, medical lab. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. So, so for those that may not have heard of it, I don't think there's many. But uh, can you just give a bit more details about Kemri? What is Kemri? Uh Kemri is Kenya Medical. Actually, the, the main research um, uh, body in Kenya, and it uh, is the one actually that does research. Most of it, uh, it's actually um, an institution that um, is owned by the government, and it's like a, a research organization that collaborates with so many people, like the CDC, uh, Walter Reed, and their main mandate is basically uh, research and to advise the government uh, and to look at novel um, uh, novel um, techniques and come up with uh, uh, no new ideas and pretty much is to look at uh, disease patterns trying to bring them minimize them uh, capacity building uh, among other things so it's actually the, our main uh, research uh, institute dealing with medical issues, but we have other um, institutions also like Ilri, um, um, Kari, but this is a medical research institute, so pretty much it has issues to do with medical. Great. Yeah. Okay. And so, did you find yourself drawn towards the research side? I guess you you were you were presumably had a few options here or there for internships. Uh, the choice of going to a research center as opposed to going to a an operational medical facility. Uh, what what guided you from one to the other? Yeah, I can't really say that I had really uh, knowledge on uh, what I wanted when immediately after finishing. But I found myself in the research in this way. So um, after finishing, immediately after finishing my internship in Cambridge, uh, I did well, of course, in the in my medical lab in the Kenya uh, Technical uh, University. So I got a credit. And then the, because of the good rapport I had with uh, colleagues, they called this advert. Um, they wanted some uh, technicians who would work in, uh, in uh, an, a research institute based in Philippi. So this was a welcome trust. So I did my application, of course, of course, with uh, also my help of my late dad. You know, my late dad is the one who made me get cameras because he was an auditor. And due to his rapport with uh, with a friend in Kemri. Um, by then, it was uh, one guy called Adoyo Adoyo. Um, of course, Dr. Wasuna, who was still there, and actually she's one of the 
the personalities, the very high people, high level scientists um, currently uh, working with the DNDI. Uh, these are the people who actually mentored me and uh, gave me the chance to go to Cambridge. Uh, so after I made this application, I went for the interview and uh, I met uh, um, a panel. I was given practicals and theory. At first, I didn't perform well, of course, uh, considering that uh, what they were doing is pretty much uh, that uh, they wanted somebody, I think, who had a background in microbiology, but I wasn't so really good in microbiology. So the second chance I was given, I did well. And uh, yeah, they took me. And uh, that is where my journey to research began. So um, I started by, you know, working in the parasitology uh, department where I was doing stool, a lot of stool, and trying to identify what microorganisms are there, no, what parasites are there. And then I was taken to the high dependency unit. This is uh, a unit that deals with uh, critically ill uh, babies uh, because um, the institute was basically a research on malaria. Um, so I was in a high dependency unit, and this unit pretty much does, does you know, the, it's like a start lab where samples are brought in, and within a short turnaround time, you're expected to deliver accurate and reliable results. So I, the 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 the, the decision to join, um, um, the decision to join a research was actually not influenced by my my own, but rather just fate, you know. I just doing the interview and being um, finding myself in a research organization. So, and that's why my my my, my journey to research began. Yeah. And pretty much, I was a technical officer, rather. But yeah, just doing the tests and giving out the the, the, the results to the doctors and the principal investigators and the research officers. So, yeah, so that's how I found myself to research. Great. And from, from being a technical officer and, and participating in that research, what was the next steps in your career? Yeah, so, um, um, of course, um, the, the, the basic training you get from your university or from your college is not enough. And uh, most of it I gathered it from uh, the field. So this is where I learned new techniques. I came to, you know, strengthen my skills in the quality control, um, and the interaction with the PIs and the research officers and my bosses. This is where I gained most of the skills. So um, I think it took me more than um, seven years to just get to know what is working in the lab. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so then slowly by slowly, I started reading, what, I started getting to know what is a protocol, how to write an analytical plan, uh, what are the, you know, stages of uh, uh, clinical trials, what's the importance of clinical trials. And through that way, I started getting into research, but still as a technical officer, uh, you know, so um then my journey began from there then i went to now becoming the head of department and through that way i started getting to meetings to discuss you know new 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 studies preparing for new studies so that is where now 
I found myself now getting into active research and appreciating what uh, clinical trials is all about. Yeah, so it was, I think it was a very slow but steady rise. And at the same time, I'm not complaining because I, I, I was to know the basics before I went to, you know, the clinical trials and to doing research. So that was so, my, yeah. That, that's great, Godfrey. So this, help me understand something. You discussed how, you know, training at the academic level only provided you a certain amount of knowledge and it really took some field time to, uh, to become maybe more practically proficient and to gain that kind of experience. Can you let me know how common that is? So if you think about professionals trying to enter the lab field, should they expect that once they graduate, they're ready to go? What should they be expecting? Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Robert. I think I think uh, one thing we need to appreciate is that uh, science is evolving very fast. Science is evolving very fast, and the institutions of learning are not keeping abreast with the technology outside. So you find yourself that you will uh, will get a graduate who will um, you know graduate with a, a degree, and uh, when he goes out to the field. They don't know how to handle a pipette. They have learned basic principles of PCR theoretically, but they have not done it. Um, you find that uh, the the competition outside there is very, you know, it's very high. And then that uh, liaison, that is that bridge between, you know, the the, 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 the the interrelationship between the university and the research uh, um, institutions need to really be enhanced because that is what is important. A good case, a good a case in point is Hillary, and I know Camry is now doing it with other institutions like uh, uh, universities, JQuat. So through this way, you find that it will bridge that gap. But during our time, you find we go to the field. That's why we had a one year. Um, experience in the field um, and then you go back you find the curriculum does not keep abreast with the you know the technological uh, um, changes uh, the, the knowledge base the knowledge uh, science knowledge everything is moving very fast and therefore it calls for uh, you know the professors or the teachers who are teaching medical to really keep abreast with what is happening and then to shelve the old way of teaching the old curriculums and just try to look at how can they make the students relevant. Because I found it very difficult. It took me years because the curriculum and what is outside in the field is not the, you know, they don't go at the same pace. And the fact that we are in Africa, Africa is still evolving slowly. Uh, you find the books that are not useful in the US or in the UK are being brought back and you find the new, the things that we learn are still cannot be implemented but thank God uh, I think we've realized with this COVID pandemic with this we've seen the need of um, institutions countries coming together to fight a big uh, a pandemic and and this has really opened our eyes um, uh, with respect to collaborations with respect to um you know, teaching relevant uh, things that can make our graduates, when they go to the field, they are not confused, they are not marveled by the new things they're seeing. Um, so yeah, so I think the basic, basically, the basic principle is 
institutions of higher learning should work together with uh, um, research institutions and make sure that whatever is being taught in the universities and medical colleges are relevant to the graduates when they go out. I think that's really key. Great. And so, <clears throat> Godfrey, you've had the experience, obviously, of going through schooling in Kenya and then working at one of the larger research facilities available to you. Can you give me a sense? I know you've had a chance to, to work in some other jurisdictions in, uh, in Africa as well. Could you give me a sense of, of what you've learned about how the academic programs may differ from one country to another or how uh, graduates are prepared from one country to another? Yeah, that's also a good question. You find that uh, um, there's some things that we need to really appreciate. Um, before, like, what are the things, what are the drivers of uh, development? What are the drivers of, uh, you know, um, so things like, for example, um, uh, when a country is unstable, you don't expect investors to come in, you don't expect institutions of higher learning to concentrate in, you know, uh, capacity building or things that can develop uh, the country. So you find uh, some drivers of uh, actually quality education are things like uh, having uh, people, you know, tutors or lecturers or scientists who are knowledgeable uh, and who can translate what they have into action. That's very important. Two is the support they're getting from the government, uh, the subsidy. What is the percentage of, uh, what is the budget allocation that goes into research? Uh, three is the curriculum. Are we still on to the old style of teaching with this uh, accelerating uh, knowledge in science and new inventions, new machines? Everything is now going to nanotechnology. Are we still using big machines? Yes, in Africa, the technology is still behind. Uh, the wars, you know, poverty, all these things are very, you know, they really contribute to uh, the education system. Um, so, I realized in Kenya we are a bit lucky because our infrastructure is uh, a bit uh, developed. We have uh, policies, the policies are being put into use. We have inspectors who go to schools just to ensure that the policy has been implemented. Teachers are being looked, um, you know, um, as audited, assessed. Um, and also the fact that uh, they have realized that the importance of um, of collaboration between institutions of higher learning and the research organizations and tailor-making uh, curriculums to suit uh, research or to make uh, the students uh, an asset once they graduate. So you find these are some of the things that uh, really um, dictate the quality uh, or the, the, the raw material with the student when they go out. And uh, another thing is the brain drain. You find because of uh, too much uh, political instability or nepotism in a country, ethnicity, you find most of these people, they go out. So you find there's a brain drain. A lot of them go out. And uh, this is also a big factor. Um, so um, you find countries' uh, leadership. You know, leadership is also very important. So... All these things brought together uh, really can make, um, uh, can bring about quality uh, 
education uh, or quality, you know, the raw material who is the, the graduates uh, to be competitive. Because you find a country like China, the US, all of them now, they are geared towards collaborations between institutions of higher learning and the industry, institutions of higher learning and, uh, you know, research. Uh, MIT is doing research and this helps the, the, the country, the US. So this is the way for so um, the quality or the you know the usefulness of the graduate is basically based on some of these drivers that I've just mentioned. And from my experience in going to other countries, I've seen it happen. Um, so um, you find countries like South Africa, they are well advanced. They are very good universities. A good example is out of all the countries that um, uh, in Africa that you find South Africa has almost 60 plus institutions conducting clinical trials that have been uh, isocertical. The rest is in Africa. There are no countries that have not really, uh, they don't even have a, one lab that is, uh, you know, isocertical. So this can tell you uh, the importance of um, collaborations and the need for institutions of higher learning to collaborate with uh, you know, the research organizations because it is through these certifications, it is through these collaborations that gaps are identified, um, areas of improvement are identified, uh, relevant courses are identified, and finally, the, the, the raw material, who is the graduate, is tailor-made to suit the accelerating advancements of science. So, yeah, so thank you. I think that's that's what I can say with respect to your question. I don't know whether I, I gave a, a, you know, a good answer to your question, but I think that's that's really key. No, no, I appreciate that, Godfrey. That, that was very good. I think the I think there may be a few more labs that have recently become accredited. Certainly, there's a lot more work and a lot more dedication has been put on accreditation in the past few years. Uh, but perhaps your point about uh, the ISO certification versus other certifications that are out there uh, is very valid as well. I'm not I'm not up to speed on the uh, on the number of facilities in that space. But so, can you tell me, um, Godfrey, the, the experience you have in terms of working in different countries? Um, in terms of recognition of your profession in different countries, did you have any problems with the recognition of your your education uh, moving from Kenya to, to other countries within the continent? Well, um, I can't, uh, thank you very much. I think um, I think uh, I can say that uh, the knowledge I've gathered from right from um, uh, um, college through to getting internship, uh, the experiences I had before even joining college, these have added up to the molding who I am, uh, working with uh, uh, my bosses, you know, um, Welcome Trust, um, working in, uh, you know, exchanging knowledge, um, going to uh, workshops, all these have molded me. They have actually made who I am, and that has—I think—that uh, has made me very relevant. The only thing is that uh, um, you find that you'll not—you'll not, you'll not be—you'll not be like all round. You can't know everything, right. but for the knowledge I have, somebody needs right. it somewhere. So 
what where I found myself is um uh, like uh where I am now currently is here and there. I think they need my knowledge, they need my uh skill, they need my uh, you know, practical uh, knowledge. They want that to be implemented here. And that's why I found myself here. You know, so um and that's that's very, very important. Whatever you're doing, uh, you should count it as an asset. And you should not take it for granted. So, for example, working when I was just from uh, high school uh, graduates, um, just striking blood around uh, the walls of Homer Bay Hospital, uh, making sure that the RDTs are done and documented. These are some of the things that are really, uh, they're really uh, very important because up to now, there's some countries that are grappling with you know, as uh, administering screen gland, we have still cases where there are some countries they don't have proper blood transfusion policies. Uh, we have a lot of incidences of high, uh, you know, transfusion reactions, poor documentation, no tracking system. So these things are very important. Whatever you do, as long as it is science based, you need to learn. You need to perfect your skills, and through that way, you'll find yourself. Uh, being an asset, uh, being marketable, being relevant, because there are other areas where these things are new. And that has really um, given me a trajectory that I've found myself in countries. And when you come here, you realize there are new things. Um, and that's when you appreciate the need of uh, uh, doing these things and uh, taking what you do uh, seriously and having passion in it. Yeah. And I think Godfrey, you're also pointing out probably the need for individual lab professionals to be to be focused on their own self development as well, because naturally uh, the institutions can prepare you to a certain extent, uh, your academic background can prepare you to a certain extent, but individuals themselves will have to take the efforts they can to uh, to exactly. seek out knowledge to seek out knowledge and practice as they as they they're able to. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, can, can you tell me, Godfrey? So just a from a perspective of what you see in the field. So obviously working in the research facilities and more advanced centers as well, um, you've had a chance to be exposed to, to a lot of new technology, a lot of new capabilities and new protocols or research coming out. Could you give me a sense from your, from your position, um, what's new uh, that you feel a younger lab worker should be paying attention to now? So something that, that they should be paying attention to uh, as they get into the field and, and whether it's a technology or, or uh, methodology uh, that people need to consider to be to be aware of because it is going to be a big part of the lab future. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, um, everybody now is talking about the AI, the use of robots, uh, automation in the lab, and these are really um, things that we need to start thinking about. Even though in Africa we still have to appreciate that. There is still time. There's still room for us to, you know, uh, because of the infrastructure, because of the expense, the expense, the skill level, um, because of uh, we depend so much on donor funding. We are still not yet there in terms of uh, implementing some of these things. Though we are, I know in other countries like South Africa and Egypt, in the Morocco and all that, there's, there's that aspect of automation. But most of the African countries, I think, the infrastructure cannot still allow that. So I think the most important thing for anybody who is doing medical lab is to first understand the principle, the basics. 
for example, um, some of these machines, they have been, uh, you know, they use some algorithms. These algorithms came from the basics of what we know. For example, a cell, how does it look like? The size of a cell, differentiating between different cells. So somebody sat down and made an algorithm and then put it in a machine. So your work is only to run the sample and it gives you an output. So the dangers of doing that is it reduces you to a robot. You not know the basic principles. So the most important thing is you go to college to learn the basic principles. PCR, what is it? What are the steps in PCR? These are very important things. A good example is the gene expert. Everything has been miniaturized to a cartridge. You simply put in the blood, have the cartridge in the machine, and then it gives you an output. But what happens inside that cartridge is the most important thing. So I, I, I can tell the people doing sciences, the first and the most important thing is to understand the principles, to understand the basic science, because everything starts from basic. And then as you move along, you now appreciate some of these basics that have now been turned into algorithms and are now being used in the machines, which are now automated. Okay, so the first thing and the most important thing is to learn the basics. And then other things will follow. And a very good, a very important thing also is learning computer skills. Everything now, everything now is being done by computers. So it's very important for people to learn computer skills. And then two, uh, three, it's also very important for people to be emotionally intelligent uh, because most of the things now are basically, you know, people need to to empathize, people need to know how to deal with each other, you know, that's very, very important. And also um, to have that passion in what you're doing. If you have passion in what you're doing, nobody will force you into something. And then also with the passion, you can read widely to see where is the trajectory, where is everything going, you know. And all these things are very important. At the end of the, what is what, what is important actually, we are going to a world where um, I'm not so sure whether we will be rendered the medical lab te technologists or the scientists will be rendered uh, irrelevant. Everything will be done by algorithms, um, you know, the robots. So we need to really understand this. And then as time goes on, maybe through institutions of higher learning, they need now to incorporate aspects of you know, like data science, people are now doing data science, very important. Uh, artificial intelligence, people are now incorporating it into their subjects. Um, I think it's good to, in the university, for people to learn mathematics, complex math, you know, basic science, um, you know, English, how to communicate, um, how things work. But it's also good to understand where we came from, because if you understand where we came from, and where we are going, then it becomes very easy for you to actually um, um, really uh, get to know. And of course, with the, the guide of your, your PIs and your superiors, uh, having discussions, constant discussions, they can be also be able to help you uh, into identifying what is really relevant and areas you need to delve in. Um, yeah, so I think those are very, that's very, very, very important. Right. So thank you for that, Godfrey. It's a great answer. I'd, I'd like to just ask uh, another question about where you gain some knowledge. So is there a, 
are there websites are there tools are there um, articles or magazines that you regularly consult as a source of just getting some understanding of what's new out there uh, do you get a chance to do any of that kind of reading or is it uh, really focus on what the institution brings you. So how do you stay up to date on um, on what is coming down the pipeline? Yeah, thank you very much. So uh, most of the time I I read a lot. Um, I read books. I read books on uh, topical issues, uh, politics. Um, I read uh, minds. Um, I read journals for like a, a good example, science, uh, which talks about new inventions. I read... Uh, you know, new tests, new findings, all this from journals. Um, I listen to TED Talks. Um, I attend seminars. And all these really um, um, govern my way of thinking. Um, so uh, through that way, I'm always somebody who is uh, thirsty to know more. I want to know my relevance in as far as medical lab is concerned. So I keep on searching more. To find out, I'm still. Am I still relevant, or am I being read and irrelevant? So through that way, I try to learn more. I try to know what others are thinking about the field of science. What are the new inventions? Um, what are the you know the pitfalls in science, and how, in my own small way, can I take advantage of the situation of the information I'm getting? Uh, of course, accurate information in this case. Uh, to make to make myself relevant, considering that I'm living in a continent, Africa, where things are not as fast as you know uh, in Europe or in the Americas. Um, so the most important thing is um, get knowledge from papers. Uh, get to know which papers uh, you read. Like for me, I read science, uh, British medical journals. I read anything. I read books, uh, politics. Um, I read, uh, you know, uh, international, uh, you know, magazines. Uh, I read the Times magazines. All these. Um, I listen to TED talks. Um, I watch CNN news. So all these, some of them uh, could be fake. Some of them are genuine. Some of them, like now, we are fighting a pandemic. Uh, it's just good to know what other people are thinking. Where are we going with all these Delta or variants? Uh, are we developing hard immunity? Um, why is it that some countries are still in the green, yet their numbers are high? Some are saying zero, they're in the red list. So all these things are very important to know. What is really dictating their you know, decision to put some other countries under red while the, the counts are, you know, the COVID cases are low, while other countries are, the COVID cases are high and they're in the green. So politics also plays a part. Science plays a part. So you need to really understand all these dynamics. And uh, through that way, it's very important you tailor-make yourself, you customize yourself, to fit into all this web. And I think through that way, um, I've been able to uh, transform myself continually and found myself relevant in this field of science. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Um, so maybe just a, a wrap-up question here. Anybody in particular uh, you'd like to thank or somebody in particular that has assisted you or provided an opportunity in the past uh, that has helped get you where you are? Yeah, I think the person uh, the, the person who gave me this job the first time to go and work as an, uh, an interviewer, 
in Homabe when I had no knowledge. I think it's one person whom I really um, need to um, pay a lot of respect and tribute to. And most most importantly, uh, my parents, of course, who took me through to education and uh, the people I've been working with through my journey. That is my lab director, my lab manager, Brett Lowe. Um, yeah, and uh, um, the people who I've been interacting with, uh, who gave me chance to you know, work in Camry, uh, by then was Dr. David Koech, um, and uh, Adoyo Adoyo, Dr. Wasuna, and Professor Kevin Marsh, who are really been very instrumental, and also with uh, Professor Deborah Watson, who gave me the opportunity to work in, um, you know, in the current institution. So all these people, uh, I mean, for you to reach where you are, you have to climb to the shoulders of giants. And that's what I believe. You know, nobody has monopoly over knowledge. Uh, but if you, you know, humble yourself and try to learn from them, then I believe as time goes on, it transforms you. And of course, they can direct you into the, into, you know, the, uh, the right uh, direction, giving you the right content. And through that way, as time goes on, you'll see yourself transforming into a nobody to somebody uh, who can be really beneficial to the field of science. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, uh, Godfrey. I appreciate very much your time and uh, look forward to getting together again soon. Uh, thank you very much. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's L-A-B-O-P-P dot org. Thank you.